Hi, and welcome to our podcast called Asking Better Questions. My name is John Newsham. And I am Shane Chan. We're just two friends uh, encouraging one another to seek God more. So it's important to point out from our title that we're not suggesting that we ask better questions than other people are asking. We want to improve the questions that we ask. So it's important to keep learning and growing, and that involves asking better questions. Uh, that'll never end in our journey with God. So if you're listening and you have questions, we'd love to hear them. We can't promise that we'll be able to answer them, but we will try to have a conversation about them. So, Pastor John, how was your Easter? Well, my Easter was a little bit different. Uh, the previous 40 Easter's that I've been involved with, uh, I've had a church service that I've gone to on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday for every one of those years, I believe. And so going to church has been sort of a key part of the traditions in our family when I was growing up and now also with the family that uh, that we've got together between me and my wife. And so we just, we go to church and, you know, the last 10 years, it's been a little bit different in the sense that we've, for most of that time, been key parts of running the church service. Um, but before that, you know, just attending or, you know, helping out behind the scenes. And so this year with the social distancing we did church online, and so uh, my pastor was was preaching, and we were downloading. It was sitting in our lounge room, and that was both the Good Friday and the Easter Sunday. We did both of those from our living room, just watching church on TV, and uh, you know we had communion at home and things like that. But it was very different, not actually attending a church, and so it was a little bit strange. You know, the kids still got some Easter chocolates. Uh, and me and my wife, we obviously we had some chocolates as well, um, but it, it's just it was very strange to sort of get your head around the idea that we're not going to church. You know, it's one of the times the most attended service of the year is the Easter service normally, and this year, you know, church has had a maximum of five, ten, fifteen people, depending on the size of their production, the size of what they were trying to put together. And so it's just very strange sitting at home on the couch watching the TV for Easter. So having said all of that, we still enjoyed it and it was nice and peaceful and relaxing. Uh, it, it, just, it just took a little while to get our head around the differences. So uh, obviously for me, expressing there, it's quite different. What, what about your Easter? How different was yours? Well, um, my Easter was very quiet. Normally Easter is like the biggest weekend. Uh, for me and for the church and there's a lot going on and we always have had family come and it was just very quiet very different um, and it just didn't actually feel like Easter yeah. because like you said we were still you know sitting on the couch um, and doing things uh, that we sort of never like we never did before yeah so it was just very relaxing I would say there was no pressure to entertain people in a way but at at the same time that's what you expect during easter is you know you have lots of people come together uh you have lots of food eat lots of easter eggs and you know you just have a good time um but it was different this year we did you know things over um video chats but that's about it it was really very quiet so for me um easter wasn't uh, that very different because for the last couple of years um we actually do Easter service different, either it's a sunrise service or we just go to a park or whatever we're doing, it all Easter services always look different. Yeah. So sitting on the couch and watching an online service was 
different again, but that's what we expect during Easter is to do something different, something more creative. So in a way, it didn't really feel any different to what I was already used to. But it was, you know, different in the sense that we didn't get to see people. Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Well, uh, last week on the podcast, uh, I let you flip to the random scripture. And I feel like uh, you flipped rather poorly. And so I hope you've been practicing all week on how to flip the Bible better. And we're going to give you another go to redeem yourself. So uh, when you're ready, you can flip to a random scripture and we'll have a chat about it. So just for those who are listening, this is our first segment called Random Scripture. We flip the Bible to a random page, read a few verses that catch our eye on that page. And then we just have a discussion about that verse and we let the discussion take on a life of its own. The only thing we choose is how close to the back of the book we get. And we'll try to get an even spread, but not to get that uh, statistically perfect randomness. If we end up in one section more often, it's not deliberate. And if you want to count how many times we end up in one book, you go for it. But we won't be counting. So go for it, Shane. All right. We have got a scripture. Fantastic. So it's from Mark chapter 14 and from verse 20 onwards. Okay. says, it is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who has betrayed, betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. There we go. So past, uh, Pastor John, would you like to uh, reflect on that scripture that I have just read out? Yeah, you've got a nice heavy one there. Uh, so obviously context of this is we're talking about Easter, uh, what we would have celebrated on Good Friday. Um, we've got the 12 disciples who are sitting around having the, the Last Supper. And in this context, he's talking about Judas Iscariot, who is about to betray him into the hands of the, uh, the Jewish religious leaders uh, to be crucified. And so... Uh, this this is a, a sort of fairly confronting story because you get the impression in the story that only one disciple knows what Jesus is really talking about, and that's Judas. And the others, uh, you know, I'm not sure if it's in this particular, uh, whether it's in Mark or whether it's in one of the other Gospels, it talks about the fact that when Judas left to go and betray Jesus, the others thought he was going to organize something. and And so right here we have a way that Jesus reveals that he knows Judas is going to betray him. And part of the confronting thing about that, and it's a little bit off track, is that Jesus has just washed the disciples' feet. He's saying, I'm going to serve you guys, and if you want to have any part of me, you will let me wash your feet. And one of the disciples at that point whose feet got washed was Judas. And so he didn't just wash disciple of Peter's feet who was going to deny him but he actually went you know just in a difficult moment just turn your back but to one who's actually already planning and plotting to say I'm going to sell this person to his own death Jesus washed his feet to say I'm even going to serve you and you know possibly for the whole three and a half years of Jesus ministry he knew that Judas was going to be the one that betrayed him and yet the whole way through, he treats him the way he treats everyone else. He still serves him. He still loves him. He still teaches him. He still sends him out to do miracles. And all of the while, G Judas is stealing money from the treasury. 
and uh, and you know in this moment trying to find ways of bringing this whole thing like this isn't the lead that I wanted to follow and so I'm going to betray him and in this moment even the way that Jesus is confronting that and exposing that he's doing it in a way that doesn't bring shame to Judas in this moment because the other disciples don't really know what he's talking about. And so I find that uh, the way that Jesus handles this is actually really confronting because he doesn't really confront it. He knows that this is going to cost him his life and he's about to give it up willingly, so that is not a problem to him. And this is to fulfill the prophetic words that have been prophesied. And so he actually allows Judas to keep sneaking around and doing these things, even though he's aware of it, he allows it to continue. And it's a very strange scenario. Yeah, it, it is very strange. Um, and I think, you know, betrayal is such a hard thing when it's coming from someone you have known um, for a long time. You've been friends with them. You eat from the same plate. And culture-wise, um, back then, it people do actually eat from the same plate. And the love for you, you have for each other. And... If it's that same person that you know that's going to betray you all along, it's a very hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know how Jesus did it, but no matter who that person is, no matter who is getting betrayed, it's always, you know, that that feeling of betrayal, which is so hard to deal with. And it's so hard. It makes people, um, like, it's so hard for people to trust again, not just with that person, but everyone that they get in relationship with yeah. or becomes friends with because that one experience could change a person so much that one moment of betrayal could change everything but here jesus is chooses to love the yeah. world yeah just because one person has betrayed him that doesn't mean he's gonna you know start distrusting every human being that there's out there he didn't do all of that he still went on the cross and died for Judas, even though he betrayed him. So he went and died for everyone else. So it's just like, wow, what a man of God. What a son of God. That even though people all along and in his life rejected him, obviously crucified him as we had during Easter time. That's what the message you get to hear is Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He st still chooses to love us, even though sometimes we might not uh, follow him. Sometimes we might disobey him. Sometimes even when we uh, don't listen to him, it's like a betrayal. Yeah. And still, no matter what, he still loves us. So Pastor John, I'm going to ask you a question. Why does Jesus here say it is better, it would have been better for him not to be born? Yeah, well, that's, that's probably the hardest hitting part of the whole passage. Um, the, we see, if we look forward into the book of Acts, um, that Judas actually, with the money that he received from the rulers, went and bought a field and actually went and killed himself on that field. And so he actually ended up becoming suicidal as a result in the aftermath of betraying Jesus. And so I think the, the death that he carried inside himself became too much to live with um so so in that sense the internal struggle that we carry often for us seems to be worse than you know 
a lot of people who face suicide have that thought that it would be better if I die. And I think, you know, from the outside looking in, if you don't have those thoughts, if you don't have those struggles, that sentence often doesn't make sense. But if you see it from the person's perspective on the inside, where they're seeing a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of struggle, and the only way they can seem that the only way they can see an end to it is to end everything. And that's an emotional thing. I, I, I understand to a degree that that process happens. I haven't ever faced that sort of thing. But when you talk to someone who's gone through that, it's, it's all they can see is the pain they're struggling with and all they want to do is see it end. And so they feel like there's no other hope. Now, as I mentioned, that's an emotional thing and I'm not wanting to minimize it in any way. If people are struggling with that, uh, then they really should talk to someone about that and, and try to work that through. But from someone on the outside looking in to say it's worse for them, they'd be better off dead. That's actually a much bigger deal because it's not just something that someone's struggling with, but Jesus is saying it would be better if this man hadn't been born. And that's for, yeah, wow. for God, for God's son to say it would be better for you not to be born. That's heavy. And so the question you're asking me, I don't know that I can answer it fully. I, I guess to start with, I just want to capture the size of that question that God himself is saying about someone, it would be better if they weren't born. Now, in that context, uh, you know, this needed to happen. Jesus needed someone to betray him. He needed someone to decide he was going to be put to death because he was offering his life to save everyone. That, that was his purpose. He came, well, he's part of his purpose. His purpose was to restore the relationship between God and man. And so he came and he walked on this earth and for three and a half years, he chose disciples and he walked with them. He had a whole lot of other people that followed him regularly. There's a whole bunch of women that followed him around for Holy's ministry and supported him financially. Like there was a lot of people that gave everything to serve and follow him. And there was a lot of people who, who just hung on every word that he said. And it was a picture of God's relationship that he wants with us. But he actually came Mm. to restore that for everyone, not just for the 12 or for the, for the 70 or for the 120. It was, he came to give that relationship with God to every single one of us. And Judas came in and said, I don't want that. And I don't want anyone else to have that. And I'm willing to offer him up as a sacrifice to get what I want, which is the opposite of the attitude that Jesus came with. I was actually pondering while you were talking just before about the fact all of us feel like we wouldn't be as bad as Judas, that we wouldn't ever do anything like that. We wouldn't betray Jesus that way. And the way I worded it in my mind while I was thinking that was, would I ever choose money over Jesus? That's the question that sat with me because that's what Judas effectively did. You know, there's all the disappointment, there's all of the hopes that he thought Jesus was going to be this mighty warrior king that came in and wiped out the Romans so that Israel could be free again. And there's all of that, that built up expectation that those who were looking forward to a Messiah, they had that expectation. And there's the two pictures the Old Testament paints. One is that Jesus or the Messiah is going to be this warrior king that comes in and destroys those that are standing against us. And the other picture is he's going to be this suffering servant that comes in and dies for his people. And so Jesus 
encapsulated both of those things, but he didn't come in the way people expected him to come. He didn't look like what people expected. And so all of that disappointment, all of that built up so that G- Judas was willing to say, I would actually rather have a little bit of money than to follow this guy anymore. And I'm willing to sacrifice him that way. And for me, I know there's been times in my life where I've chosen to follow money rather than God. And I can go back uh, around about 12 years to a point where I determined in my life, I don't care what happens. I don't care what I face. I will not choose money over God again. Yeah, wow. Because it's just not worth it. I would much rather have God than money. And so... In that context, the temptation can still come. It's not that I'm now free of that temptation, but the the key decisions in my life, every time that I've faced them, when I've had to choose between God and money, I can say with all honesty in the last 12 years, I've chosen God. And it's actually been increasingly difficult. And now we're in this season where money seems to be disappearing from everywhere, that people don't seem to be able to access money. And right now, there's weeks where we have to choose, are we going to pay rent or are we going to buy groceries or things like that? But in the middle of all of that, we have to say, God, what is it that you want us to be doing? What is it that you want us to be putting our time into, our effort into, our energy? What is it that you want us to be looking forward to? And also looking to him as our source rather than looking to money as our source. The, the great question, I either need money, I either need God to come through or I need a whole lot of money. And, and that challenge is, which God am I going to look to I need to choose, I'm going to look to God. Otherwise, I myself will end up being just like Judas. Yeah, wow. You know, um, sometimes you can feel like you are in the place of where Judas was. And maybe you have done some things in your life where you, you might look at yourself, maybe I'm worse than Judas. But it just reminds me of a quote by Pastor Rick Warren and or Reverend Rick Warren. I'm not sure what his title is, yeah. but he said this, in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruits. Wow. And that statement sort of stuck with me forever because we are all broken people. You know, we have all fallen short. We have all sinned. Yeah. But there's a saving grace. And that's, that's what we should be holding on to. No matter how bad uh, Judas you might think was, or no matter how bad you think you have done some of the things that you know, you know, there's no redeem, redemption from it. But, you know, we want to remind you that God is still there. God actually uses those um, broken trees, those things that have gone wrong into good things and to bear more fruit than ever before. Because yeah. God has put you on this planet for a purpose and plan. Judas' purpose was different. Someone had to betray Jesus. And that that was a part of God's plan. But... God has a plan for your life and no matter what it might look like, no matter how broken you think you might be, just remember that God is willing to use you to where you are at and God is, God does have a purpose and a plan for your life. Yeah. So just remember that quote because this is, has helped me in God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so when you refer to the broken trees, it's important to remember that within 24 hours of this moment that we've just read about in the scripture, within 24 hours of that, not only had Judas betrayed Jesus, but 10 other disciples had turned their back on him and either run away or denied him. Only one disciple was there at the moment where he was crucified. 
And so it's easy to point out Judas and say he was the worst and he was disgraceful. And what he did, obviously, just boggles the mind. But all of them ran away scared. All of them ran away with the exceptional exception of the disciple John. And so in that context, every one of those were how you would have just described broken trees. And yet yeah. all 10 of those that fled or denied at that point came back and God restored them and God used them and God empowered them to be the foundational builders in his church. When the church was born, there was 11 disciples that had walked with Jesus that were there in the 120. And so God yeah. redeemed all of them. Judas took his own life and never came back. But all of the other ones, whatever they'd done, they came back and God restored them. God redeemed that time. And so, as you mentioned, Shane, anyone that's listening, if you feel like you've done too much and God could never accept you back, it's not true. He can accept you back. He loves you. It's not the feeling of love. It's the love that would say, despite how I'm going to feel, I'm going to do what's best for you. I've got a purpose for your life. So there we go. All right. Well, how about we go on to the question for the week? Sounds exciting. So for anyone that's listening, uh, at this stage, we haven't had any suggestions from the listeners. We're uh, in the process of launching our first podcast uh, podcast live uh, within this first day or two right now. Um, so from this point on, we're hoping that we'll start to get questions from our listeners. And uh, if you've got them, send them in and we would love to hear them. So the question we're going to talk about today is actually the first big question that I can remember asking. And I remember coming home from church and I was around about the age of 12 and saying to my mum, I was listening to the preacher in church today and he used the phrase, God said to me. And I've heard that a few times from different preachers. What I want to know is, is that a figure of speech or does God really speak to these people? And that was, that was sort of the turning point for me where it was the first time I really heard something from the front and thought, is that something that's real? Is that, how does that affect? Because if that's real, I want that. If, if God can speak to people, I want to know that he's going to speak to me. And so I remember asking my mum that question and she spent a couple of hours answering that question. And although I mean, she gave me some incredible practical answers to help me start that journey of learning to hear God's voice. But that's exactly what it was. It was the start of a journey. So I'm now almost 30 years later, still on that journey, still wanting to learn, still wanting to understand him more. And I think that question becomes vital if we keep talking about seeking God, if we keep talking about relationship with God. I think actually being able to hear his voice speaking to us is really important. Yes, that's right. And we are going to give you some practical ways of how we hear from God. Um, I remember I, I was struggling with it uh, with for myself because I hear you know, people hearing from God and it's a desire in my heart that I want to go and hear from God as well. I want to uh, hear what He sounds like. I want to know what He's going to say to me. Yeah. I want to know everything he, he has for me. So there was this hunger and this desire. If people are talking about it, I'm sure they're not crazy. They they must have, you know, there's a lot of people that are talking about it. So it must be something true. 
you know, I, I, I looked at people and I was like, they can't be delusional. There, there has to be some facts behind this. So for me, I also went on a journey to hear from God. And for me, um, it, it started off with, you know, just um, God, God would just drop something in my heart. And I was just like, that's a bit strange. I, I would never think like that. And uh, why is that thought there? And I would read my Bible and I, I would just feel like God would just speak to me in a different way it's just like we we have done this random scripture um that's how sometimes you know our families we will really listen from god is when we have an argument in our family uh, my mom and dad will sit me down and if there's a difference of opinion what we'll do we pray together and we will say hey god is going to help us uh, to resolve this and we'll hear from god and will have the answers and we trust the fact that we're going to hear from God so we'll just randomly turn into a scripture and we'll get an answer that we need for that uh, situation even if we agree or not we can say we we have asked God and we trust God and this is the answer that God has given us yeah and and it's it's a step of faith in a way to hear God's voice because you need to take that step of faith what happens is sometimes we might be a bit uh, you know critical in our thinking of maybe maybe it's not real maybe it's just voices in people's head it actually does require a step of faith saying god here i am i'm willing to listen are you willing to talk to me yeah and and those kinds of prayer would change your life where you actually trust god to speak to you because that's the reason that uh, god came and he died for us and he sent his spirit down so that we can have a personal relationship a personal connection to him so that we can talk to him whenever we need to and so a relationship just doesn't work one person talking all the time it goes both ways so that's what god wants for us that's why we're going to be uh, um, answering this question how to hear god's voice because we would love for you to have a personal relationship with god and it's going to change your life so i want to pick up on two things uh that you've mentioned there firstly a contrast uh, for something that's quite different in your life to mine, and the other one, something that was actually very similar. I'll go with the similarity first, and that is at the end of my mum's teaching me some practical things about how to hear God's voice. After around about two hours of that discussion, she sat down with me and said, okay, now we're going to pray. And she basically prayed a similar prayer to what you've just described there, which was, Lord, teach my son to hear your voice. And so we, we prayed. For me, it was, I actually, I really want that. It just sounded so amazing. So that I think that's actually the foundation. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. And if he's a teacher, he wants us to learn. And so yes. us coming to him and saying, please help us learn, gives him great delight. The other thing, a uh, bit yeah. of a contrast in my life from what you've described, is how we dealt with family arguments. <laughs> where I, I think the most common statement at the end of what we would describe as a family argument, uh, which is probably slightly different to what other people would describe as a family argument, uh, would be the conclusion that my dad would put his foot down quite firm and say, go and ask your mother. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a joke there. Uh, for those who know my dad, you've probably heard him say that at some point. So um, I, I think some other things uh, that are worth talking about from a practical point of view, one of the things that we, we like about the idea of hearing from God is it comes with a sense of stability and strength and um, it's something that you can place an anchor on. 
And it is one of the things when God speaks that it comes with a, a determination and a persistence that sits inside us that says, this is something you can hold on to. But it's very tempting from there to then use that and wield that as a weapon against other people. And so I know of people who have basically implied, because God spoke to me, you have to do this. And it becomes a dominant thing. And I understand within authority structures, uh, you know, from my family, if my wife and I are praying and we have God speak to us, then we're going to say to our kids, this is what God is saying and this is the way we're going to go. And we can include them in that discussion. We can go that way. But we, we have a sense of authority over the and responsibility over the family. And so if we know what God's saying to the family, we have a responsibility to guide our family that way. But for you and I, Shane, as friends, if I have God speak to me, I can't then tell you what you have to do based on that. I can come to you and say, this is what God, what I feel like God said, or I'm very confident that this is what God said. But then I have to kind of lay that at your feet and let you make a decision for yourself whether or not you're going to go that. And part of maturity in this whole thing is if you learn to hear God's voice for yourself and if you learn what God's character is like, mainly from reading scripture and having discussion with other Christians, things like that. If you understand God and you know his voice, then you have that responsibility then to go and work out between you and God whether this is something for you. And so I shouldn't be using God's word as a weapon against other people to say, you have to do what I'm saying because I have God backing me. That's right. And that's something that is very destructive that could happen. Um, As people, like, you know, we mentioned before that each one of us needs to learn to hear God's voice. Yeah. And we need to test the spirits as well. We need to test, okay, if what this person is saying, God, you're going to say it to me. You're going to reveal it to me. And it also has to line up with God's word. Because if it's something outside of God's word, you know, if your friend tells you, hey, I heard from God, we should go and rob that store. Um, clearly, that doesn't line up with the Bible. Yeah. So you can put in good sound arguments why you should go and be a Robin Hood because they're stealing money from people. So we'll go and steal from them. No, you're still stealing. That situation hasn't happened in my life, just so you guys know. But <laughs> there, there's times in your life where you need to test the word of God you need to make sure it actually lines up with the scripture. And if it doesn't, it's probably not of God. So let's not use just sound arguments and say it is God. Yeah. Because sometimes that could happen. That's why it's very important for individuals to hear from God and say, yep, that's right. I feel it too. Now there's times that has happened in, in a church structure, right? Yeah. Where the pastor gets a vision for the church and he can make a good sound argument about where this year is going and we're going to do some amazing things. But people only get excited if they had had a similar similar, uh, revelation in their heart. Yes, you can get hyped up about it, but to genuinely carry that vision with your uh, pastors, with your boards, with your eldership, you really need that revelation in your heart. Like, wow, this is where we're going together as a church. And... If you don't, you find it questioning every move that the church is making, everything, every decision that has been made because you haven't went out and heard from God yourself. And I think it's very important um, wherever you are, whether if it's at a school or whether you work for a company, they all have, you know, a goal. They all have things that they do. Yeah. And 
we need to be praying into God is this where you want me to be God who are the people in here that I'm impacting and and constantly hearing from God saying and asking the question why am I here and am I doing the right things how am I helping these people how am I actually hearing from God and helping them to have a relationship with God because sometimes it could actually become a very difficult thing when you are surrounded by non-Christians when you're surrounded by people who don't hear from God so what happens when you're surrounded by people who don't hear from God obviously their opinions what they're talking about is going to be straying you away from God so it's also very important that you have people in your life that are able to hear from God because yeah. there's been times in my life where I would hear something from God and I I would have to go to my pastor just to ask us to confirm this is what I'm hearing from God do you think it's from God and can you ask God for me and can you find out that it is actually from God because I'm stuck in a situation where uh, I'm not very sure I'm very unclear um and it it will require for me to take a step of faith and I get surround sur- I surround myself um deliberately with people that I know that can hear from God and that that they will help me yeah and so it's it's very important for that to happen yeah yeah and I mean you you've talked about part of the learning process in there because at the end of the day it's going to be something that's going to take me the rest of my life to continue learning and so god wants me to have that relationship with him now but every good relationship it builds over time and we learn to trust more and we learn to grow together and so within that the the context of learning is there's likely to be times where we get it wrong and so you've you've mentioned that the humility to actually come to someone else when you think because when god's words comes to you it comes with life it comes with a level of persistence it comes with uh this determination almost to say let's go and do this to actually step back from that and say to someone i actually need some input into this can you help me know whether or not i'm right it actually requires quite a bit of humility and i think the moment we lose our humility when it comes to hearing god's voice we're actually in a lot of trouble if i Mm. get to a point I, I mean, I hope I get to a point in my life, that's the goal, where when God speaks, I know it's God and I act on it. That's the goal. But what I've noticed in my life is every single time that God speaks to me, at the same time as he speaks to me, in comes a reason to doubt. There's always a reason why it might not be God. I remember one time that God spoke to me and I was I was praying and everything lined up and I, I was at that moment where I... It was like I knew on a certain day he was going to speak to me about this particular topic. And about a week and a half before that happened, he spoke to me about it. And I knew it was him from every aspect. I knew it was his voice except for one. And that was, he was early. And I had this mindset, God is never early. And so it actually really threw me, even though there was no other reason to doubt. The fact that it was early (laughs) made me doubt. And every time God speaks, it comes with a reason why we might doubt that it's him. So to actually keep that humility and not just throw doubt out, but to actually ask the question, is this God? And to allow other people into that, you you find that oftentimes a group of prophetic people work really well together because they each come in with a slightly different aspect of the same statement. 
And so they know as a group, this is what God said, because he said the same thing to a large group of people all at the same time. But yet they have different aspects and, and God speaks to each of us differently. And so it's actually for each of us as an individual to learn his voice, not just for the other person to teach me God's voice, but for me to, within that relationship with other people, to go to God for myself and learn his voice. That's right. For me, uh, in my life, there has been different stages of learning God's voice. You know, there, there has been times where I would hear every day from God when I would be reading the Bible. I believe, Pastor John, um, uh, I, I was able to guess your sermon every Sunday for quite some time. I knew exactly what you're going to preach on Sunday yeah. because God would tell me. And it was it was quite a bit of fun just knowing that um, you, you would come up with a sermon and I would just know it. And it will it was a very exciting time because I was able to hear God's voice. But there has been times in my life when um, I've been desiring to hear God's voice, but he's not speaking. Yeah. And it's very important to know that you should always have a hunger to hear God's voice. It's, it's just like um, your loved ones. It might be your wife, uh, your family, uh, your kids, um, whoever it is that you uh, really love or your friends. You know, you, there's always a desire that you want to see them next. You want to speak to them. That's the same with God. Yeah. We need to have the desire that, man, I'm lo in love with God and I want to actually talk to him on a daily basis. And when I don't get to hear his voice, then I, I'm just in a place where I'm just so sad because there's a person I love. I want to be able to reach out to this person. So I look at my relationship like that with God where there's something wrong if God doesn't speak to me because how how can I go a day without... Um, I can't go a day without just, you know, hearing my wife's voice. If she's away from me, she's gone somewhere, I call her because I want to hear her voice. Yeah. And it's same with God. I want to be in touch with God, you know, every time, every chance I get. I want to hear his voice. I want to um, just to spend time with him because I enjoy God's company. And that's something we need to be striving for. That's something we need to, it's like, you know, falling in love. You got to sometimes, yes, you get um, this amazing feeling of love from God, but then you need to maintain that. Yeah. You need to go on dates with God. You need to actually put aside time uh, for God. And you need to do all those practical steps saying, God, I'm, I'm re I really desire you. And you'll see, you'll go through stages of uh, learning to hear God's voice. And every time God can speak to you in a different way, God can, you know, if God can use a donkey to speak to someone, yeah. then I'm sure God uses many different ways. You know, I, I um, hear God in the Bible. I hear God through someone else. I hear God... Um, just just by being alone being, but in my quiet times i can just hear god's voice and how how can i trust that voice how can i trust that it is god and it is not my own head and that's also another process that we need to go through to understand that okay how can if the voices in my head sound the same yeah. would you like to answer that question pastor john well, I mean, it's an important one. The The question there really, if I broaden that out slightly, is what does God sound like when he talks to me? Because that's ultimately, that's what we need to know. If we're going to separate out his voice from every other voice that we hear, and you know, sometimes that's actually 
you know, tuning ourselves out from social media or tuning ourselves out from the car radio or whatever it is. Sometimes it is just simply stopping voices coming in that want to speak to us so that we've had the opportunity for God to put his voice in there. Um, so the question of what does he sound like becomes vital. I, I don't want to just act on every thought that I have. That's not wise. And oftentimes for me, God sounds like a thought. And so trying to work out the difference between that thought, whether it's me, whether it's him, whether it's someone else's idea, to say, actually, I want to know what he sounds like. So um, I've got a few things I want to mention on that. Firstly, feel free to test it out if it's safe. If it's likely to do damage to someone else, maybe get confirmation before you go that step. But if it's something that's perfectly safe, one of the questions that I asked my mum in that first conversation when she was describing what it was to hear God's voice was sometimes you just have that thought and you can just check. And I remember at that point asking, you know, sometimes I have the thought, for example, there's a spider up in the corner of the room. And so I look and then there's no spider there. And, and it's not just the fact that there's a thought there that means anything. But if we learn to test it out, if we actually go through the process of saying, okay, God, if that's you, I'm going to try it because this is a safe environment and looking up in the corner of the room doesn't take any, any risk. Or the, I can't think of a circumstance off the top of my head where looking up into the corner of the room would be a problem. Unless, of course, you've got your bank robbers that you were talking before and they end up looking straight into the security camera. But that wasn't God that spoke to them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the idea of just being able to put something to a safe test to say, is this God? And I know uh, of a story of someone who they were working under the bonnet of their car and they put their glasses down on the bumper bar of the car and they had that thought come through their mind, don't put your glasses there. And they ignored it. And then they forgot about their glasses and they drove off. Glasses were gone. And this same sort of scenario happened to them several times. And they started saying, maybe it's God putting these warnings in my head to say, don't do that sort of thing. And it's just that little bit of a check. And so one time he went and parked his car uh, sort of out in a you know, sort of scrubland type area. He's parked his car. And as he was about to turn the engine off, he just heard that same thought in his mind, don't park under that tree. And he's like, well, I've ignored this voice enough times. I'm going to listen to it this time. And so he moved and he parked somewhere else. He went and did whatever he had to do. When he came back to his car, there was a tree lying down next to his car and it was the one he wanted to park under. And so by, by going through that process, he starts thinking, okay, every time I ignore that particular thought, type of thought, I end up regretting it. And when I listened to that particular, particular thought, it brought sort of safety. And so that for him was sort of a starting process to say, okay, I'm gonna to listen to that voice more often, I'm going to, when those types of thoughts come in, I'm going to listen to them instead of ignoring them. And that's not going to be the same for everyone, but it's the same sort of process for everyone that that, that thought came in slightly differently and he started to recognize that slightly different voice that I'm hearing seems to come with accuracy and, and results. And so if I listen to it, I'm better off. If I ignore it, something bad happens that it was trying to warn me against. And so that became for him the launching pad for him to say, actually, I am hearing from God. I just didn't realize it was God. It's not intuition. It is different from intuition. But it can, from the outside looking in, it actually looks rather similar to an intuition that I, I for some reason, I knew that tree was going to fall. I don't know how, but it fell. And so that yeah, that, wow. that became for him his starting place. Um, 
if we look in the Bible at the story of Samuel, when he first heard God's voice, it actually sounded like a man named Eli, who was the high priest at the time. And so for him, when he heard the voice of God, he heard it audibly. And most people don't hear the voice of God through their natural ears. They hear it through their spiritual ears. And there is a difference there. But for Samuel, he heard it through his, his physical ears. He heard his name being called. And he ran to Eli and he said, you're calling me. What do you want? And Eli said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Go away. And f the fourth time that he came back, sorry, the third time that he came back, Eli says, look, this must be God speaking to you because it's definitely not me. So next time you hear that voice, say, speak for your servant hears. And at that point, the, the voice of God came a fourth time to Samuel and Samuel said, speak for your servants listening. And from that became the Lord, he became a prophet in the nation. And so it, it didn't sound like the voice God should use. It actually came sounding like the voice of the high priest and the high priest at the time was not godly. The high priest at the time was about to get taken from his position because he was doing stuff that wasn't right. And yet when God spoke, that's what it sounded like because that was the authority figure in Samuel's life. And I think oftentimes God sounds like our authority figure. And that's not a comfortable statement to make. I know lots of people who would instantly hate that statement. But oftentimes when God speaks, it sounds like the people that we should be listening to anyway. Now, I'm not saying that every time someone in authority speaks that it's God. I'm saying that oftentimes when God speaks, it sounds like them. And so, again, it's part of the process of learning to say, I'm going to listen to that. That seems to be right. That seems to be wrong. Yeah, that's right. Um, one of the things that, that I actually do to help some of my youth and young adults to hear God's voice is very simple thing. I tell them, whenever you think of a person, pray for them. If you don't know um, who to pray for, whenever someone comes into your head, if you think about a person because you go through the day and I guarantee you in the day, you would have at least thought about five people. And so when you think about that five people, what do you do with it? You're like, oh yeah, that just popped into my mind. What you need to start doing is actually praying for them. Yeah. And when you pray for them, send them a message saying, hey, I just prayed for you. Hope everything is all right. And I guarantee you that they would send a message back something like, thank you for your prayers. I was actually going through something and it really helped me. Yeah. Or send them a word. And I just saw um, them start doing one of these things that I gave them to do. And they have been sending me messages and letting them know, hey, I prayed for someone. And, and then I sent them a message and they actually needed it right there and then. And it was really encouraging to see that, wow, see how God is actually just putting thoughts into your head about different people in your life. Yeah. And when you act on them, something amazing happens. So if you don't know right now how to hear God's voice, just pray for anyone that you think about in your daily life and send them a message saying that you have prayed for them. And I, and I promise you, um, and you can hold Pastor Joe, Joe Nisham accountable for this <laughs> and not me. Um, that they would start sending you a message back. They, I have had friends who are non-Christian and I would, I would pray for them. I would just send them a message saying, I've been praying for you. And, and they, they get quite surprised by that. But they actually say, oh, thank you that you have been actually thinking about me. 
they don't know how powerful prayer is. But there has been many times situations happen like that where I would pray for someone and they they have been going through a terrible time and that's what they needed. Or they have done something that they were feeling, you know, very guilty about or something like that. And it just has brought some light into their situation. So I believe every time you have a thought about someone, it could actually be a God thought. So just pray for them and and then just send them a message. It's that simple sometimes. And you would learn how to hear God's voice more clearer as you begin to do some of those things. It will give you a new confidence saying, wow, that actually worked. I actually might have heard from God. So I'm going to explore that more. I'm going to dig deeper into God to try to make it even more clear. And you'll find out that you actually start to have more passion for those things. And I like to bring one of the stories up because I thought um, it was pretty funny when it happened. I went to one of the conference and someone asked me uh, because I was telling them the story about how uh, all these uh, things that has been happening in my life. And they sort of looked at me weird. And it was actually uh, one of the pastors that really looked at me weird and was like, so how can you hear God's voice that clearly? And I'm just like, wait, what? I, I, in that moment, I was in complete in a shock because this person was a pastor and I didn't think I had God's voice that clearly. But here I'm telling them the story and they just asked me this question, how can you hear God's voice that clearly? And I was like, well, actually, I, every time God speaks to me, I have to test it three times before I say this is God. So I said to God, God, if this is you, confirm it to me in three different ways or in three different verses, all, you know, completely different. And I want it to be different because I want to make sure this is you, God. And I don't want to take a step if it is not you. So I, I, I'm, I was a person who was very like, you know, strong that I want to get things right with God. And that's all of us. We don't like making mistakes. Yeah. So I would always be very careful not to make mistakes when hearing God's voice. Um, and so that, that uh, and then one of the nights I was driving um, back from where I was staying and I was driving back home and it was an hour, hour's drive. And I said to God, God, I want to hear your voice so clearly, so clearly that I'm sure it's you. And I don't want it. I, I don't have to go and get a confirmation because I just know this is you. And so I was driving along and God said to me in that moment, you're going to hit a kangaroo. And it was like two o'clock in the morning and it was pretty dark. And I decided as soon as I heard that voice saying, you're going to hit a kangaroo. I was like, wow, that must be God. So I decided I saw a sign right there and then saying 500 meters there's a rest area and I decided, hold on, there's a rest area. What I'll, I'm going to do is I'm going to go park my car in the rest area and I'm going to wait it out all night, sleep in the car and drive back in the morning back home. And so as I'm approaching closer to the rest area, I see the sign now it's close as 250 meters and I can see the 10 off. And in that moment, five kangaroos jumped in front of my car and there was nowhere to go and they, uh, you know you're on the highway you're going at a high speed and there's no chances of you um, to not hit a kangaroo so at, in that moment I hit the kangaroo 
and then I turned uh, off into the rest area and I was like in that moment wow okay this is very interesting <laughs> I just had in that moment I just had God's voice so clearly that I was sure it was God and what he said did really happen but then I had a car that was also destroyed yeah and <laughs> and I, I always look back in that moment it's a great story but from that that day onwards when God speaks to me I know it's God and I don't have to you know go and ask um, 10 other people to pray for me and go through my Bible to get the three confirmations that I need and in that moment God actually taught me to hear his voice clearly after many many years of asking God make it clear make it clear and he used a very different way but I'm thankful I'm glad the cow is was pretty much worthless to me because I know how to hear God's voice clearly <laughs> and that was the best part so I was actually celebrating and rejoicing in that moment saying wow I get to hear God's voice that clearly and it was a moment of celebration. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you've just heard that story, uh, there's a variety of different reactions that you might give. And uh, I think the final statement really becomes the summary. And it's similar to what Peter said when Jesus said, are you guys going to leave me as well? And Peter said, where else would we go? You have the words of life. And I think for me, that's probably a key statement in the middle of all of it, that it wasn't a great car that you had, but it was a necessary car. You needed it. Yeah. And I, I do remember that car. And uh, I do remember, you know, several scenarios involving that car and God speaking to you. Um, yes. But ultimately, learning to hear God's voice was worth a lot more than the car. And I, right. I think that becomes important. Also, it's quite good, as has been discussed, to actually get feedback. You know, so God said you're going to hit a kangaroo and you hit a kangaroo is one form of feedback. But also, God put someone's name on my heart. I prayed for them. I sent them a message and they responded saying, you don't know what I was going through. I was in desperate need at this point. And both of those are different types of feedback. And whenever we can, in the process of learning, getting feedback actually really helps us. Um, so, so it's important to do that. Um, also... Uh, I don't know how they measure these statistics, but I've heard this quite a few times, that 85% of the times that God speaks to you, he speaks to you while you're reading scripture. And I haven't counted and measured and done the percentages properly for my own life to know whether it's right, but it would be a roundabout right for me. That reading the scripture, something, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, something that I read will just spark something inside me that makes me want to know why is that different to what I was expecting? Why is that, uh, why is that there? How is that written? What's, what's going on there? What, or, or it'll just be, it just speaks right into my circumstance that what I'm reading lights up something that's going on in my life. And this is God's will in the middle of it. And, and it's just amazing how that happens. And in John chapter five and verse 47, Jesus says, if you don't believe what Moses wrote, why would you believe what I'm going to say? And I think that's key. If we're not actually willing to go back, even to the last thing that God spoke to us, whether it's from the scripture or whether it's from his voice, if we're not actually willing to say, I'm going to do what you've said, I'm going to obey that, I'm going to step out in faith on that, 
then why would he speak to us a new time again? And so oftentimes when I'm saying, I'm, if I'm going through a season, like a short season where I can't hear God's voice or I, I, he doesn't seem to be speaking to me, to actually turn around and say, what was the last thing he said to me and did I do it yet? Actually becomes an mm. unlocking point where, where God can then speak again something new because I was actually willing to take the thing that he already gave me and do something with it. And oftentimes we sit there and go, no, I didn't like that one. That didn't line up with my core beliefs. It, it rejected something I've been taught in the scripture. It didn't line up with this. It didn't line up with that. Rather than actually going and digging into it and saying, actually, I'm pretty sure it was God. Maybe I should check it out a bit better. Maybe I should act That's on right. it. And the acting on God's yeah. word is as important as being able to hear his voice. Because if we, the Bible That's says... Right that the man who was considered wise that built his house on the rock wasn't the one that heard the words of Jesus. He was the one that built his hand on his house on the sand. The one that built his house on the rock was one that heard Jesus and did what he said. And so I think it's vital that we get into the practice of saying, if it's God, I'm going to do it. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. And, you know, that has also happened to me many times in life where God would speak something and I didn't like it, so I forget about it. And he would keep prompting me like you haven't done that and I'll be there just waiting to hear from God again and he's not speaking and it, it often is times where God does require us to act on the word that is spoken and you know it's part of our purpose it's part of the things he had laid out in front of us saying hey this thing might seem uncertain this thing might seem too hard too difficult and it might go against the belief system you have right now but I promise you, once you go with me, I will go there with you. So it was Moses who said um, that I wouldn't want to go anywhere where you wouldn't go with me, God. And so it's very vital to put, take that into picture. Like, I actually want to go where God wants to take me because I know he's going to be there. And I wouldn't want to go without him. So no matter how difficult it might seem in your life um, as to where you're at, or where you're going, just remember to say to God, Hey God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that you have put this in front of me. And even though I might not like it, I know that you're there with me in this situation. And I want to go with you because I know that you give me the strength. You're going to give me um, um, the knowledge, the wisdom that I need to conquer whatever is in front of you to go wherever you need to go even though it might seem like a big step of faith but god is going to be there with you every step of the way yeah yeah that's right so i think that description there that you've given is probably for me the most important point and that is god wants to spend time with me do i want to spend time with god that becomes for me the most important point i think the second most important point is who does god want me to help if, if I'm hearing from God, there's a great deal of chance that what he's actually speaking to me is for someone else. So the same love that he has for me that will break down every barrier and conquer every obstacle and go through every sort of pain to reach me with his love is the same sort of love that he wants to place inside of me so that I can reach someone else. Mm. And if that's the case then I think the great question becomes, God, who do you want me to help? How can I reach out and touch someone else's life? 
I think that's all we've got time for. So thanks for listening to Asking Better Questions with John and Shane. We'll be here again next week discussing another question and we hope you can join us then. See you guys next time.